and welcome to The Turning Point, a weekly show that's being created to help you overcome the challenges of having the career you always dreamed of. Together, we're going to be learning how to overcome those obstacles that may stand in your way. My guests will give you an insight into their own turning point and what issues they came across when starting their journey to a happier working life. Today's guest is David Bain, a digital marketer for the last 16 years and founder of Digital Marketing Radio, a podcast and online show that has so far interviewed over 170 different digital marketing experts on their niche and area of expertise. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan, it's great to be on with you. Thanks for inviting me. The pleasure is all mine. So I guess the best place to start is the start Let's rock on from the beginning. Where I was born, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe not that early. <laughs> okay, um, so we were chatting just briefly just before we started recording. And um, I said, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you uh, actually during the recording um, where my background actually really came from. And um, back in the late 90s, I was actually a pub restaurant manager. Ah. So that's um, a completely not- different background to digital marketing, obviously. Just a bit. <laughs> And um, so I, ha- I had a degree in, in hospitality management. I, I was doing quite well. I was in my early 20s. And it was a decent career to have. Um, but I probably did it because I didn't know what else I was going to do. I When I was younger, um, when I was at school, I had, I had jobs in hotels and restaurants. So it seemed like the natural choice to do. It seemed clever to do a business-related degree, but um, have it skewed towards a particular type of business, which was hospitality. Mm-hmm. And that let me obviously grow in the business fairly rapidly. And um, by my um, early 20s, I was um, I was licensee. I was, I was, I was managing um, my own place. Um, and a couple of friends um, in 99 came to me and said, um, and these are, these are a couple of friends that actually did the same course with me. So they've got the same kind of background. All right. And um, they said to me, the internet's the place to be. Um, Let's uh, make our millions online. (laughs) (laughs) And what we decided to do was start a business online related to what we did. So we actually started an online booking service for restaurants. And um, this was early 2000 by the time it launched. And a lot of it went really well. We did really well. We're actually based in Birmingham at, at the time. And uh, we had we had a few hundred restaurants on our site that you could actually uh, book online, and we came up with a what was really um, looking back at it a really clever way of the making the booking process work. Because if you think about it, back then that that's a long time ago in terms of um, technology and what restaurant managers tended to do. They most restaurant managers probably didn't even have an email address, let alone go online and, and check different um, web pages on a regular basis. I mean, that's still early dial-up. Well, sort of mid-dial-up. It, it, it is. Absolutely. 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 So um, what um, we knew was that um, we had to make these restaurant managers aware instantaneously when these bookings came came in and they weren't going to check their emails. So we figured out a system that actually uh, people registered on the site and we obviously had their contact details, their name, address and things like that. So when people made a booking, then it sent, it completed the form, um, sent an email to a company that actually turned that email 
into a fax. And within a couple of minutes of that booking being made, that fax came up on that restaurant saying, here's a request for a booking for tonight. Here's the customer's name and telephone number. Phone them back now to confirm. And That's amazing. I love that it went to the fax. <laughs> fax marketing, you know, was was very effective for a long time, actually. Um, Believe it or not, that is the first time I've ever heard anybody say fax marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Up until about 2008 or so, it was an effective form of marketing. Um I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to. I'm not going to jump forward right until then because obviously um, we're only in 2000 at the moment here. But um, I, I, I was um, using fax marketing quite effectively at the time. I wish it had come back. It sounds awesome. <laughs> what you're doing there is basically something that's on trend now, or well, certainly over the last few years. It seems to have had a bit of a big boom. A few things we've been involved with at the studio has has been all around that. And I guess things have just adapted on top of that and become pretty much what you sort of just eats are and hungry house and things like that is just a development on top of that. Yes. I mean, that is that they get, they've got a little printer, I think now, which just prints out the order straight in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the major competitor at the time was called Top Table and they're now called Open Table. So they're still... Ah, right. Yeah. So they're still going. They're going at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And um you know, so that was a massive turning point. Obviously, um, I decided to to leave a, a fairly consistent, reliable career just to do something entrepreneurial and a little bit different, and um, um, something that, that that we all thought was um, great fun to actually do. Um, the, the, it didn't really work out after a couple of years because we couldn't totally agree on the business model. There were three of us involved in it. So one big mistake was that we didn't actually have um, one managing director, one person in control of the business. So mm-hmm. we're always debating in terms of business strategy. What what I wanted to do was put as many restaurants on the website as possible and build a revenue stream at some point. But um, back then, you know, there weren't many revenue streams that you could build apart from perhaps some affiliate marketing type links that you could you could add. But it was, it was so early days. I mean, no even nobody even thought of things like building an email list and, and marketing using email uh, newsletters, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we we couldn't really agree on the on on, on the right way forward. Um, I, I wanted to um, get as many restaurants on as possible. Um, my, my my colleagues thought no. Uh, what we need to do is charge the restaurants to appear on the website. And we, we we did that quite effectively for some restaurants. We had some restaurants paying about £500 um, to appear on our website, which was you know a decent uh, amount, but it wasn't the correct thing to do because mm-hmm. it limited the quantity of restaurants and the choice for people using the service. You know, Looking back, yeah. what we should have done is probably um, actually gone back into working jobs or part-time jobs and just focused on getting as many restaurants on as possible, as many people using the website as possible, yeah. um, and then um, evolve a, a revenue stream at some point. I mean, it, it can go so many different ways, something like that, can't it? Uh, rather than just it, like, the probably the ultimate is well, there's there's the there's a subscription basis, there's a like a um, a commission 
uh, on bookings and things like well, I suppose I'd put a commission on an actual booking, uh, but some sort of percentage. You know, um, do you know what I mean? There's there's so many ways it could have gone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Google AdSense didn't launch until 2004, I think it was, and um, even that by itself, you know, would have been, would have been a, an interesting revenue stream, but. Um, yeah. I think the important thing would have been to obviously sign people up first before you drive people towards ads. Get the people on there, yeah. Yeah. And then we, you at least prove prove worth. Yeah, yeah. But that was a long time ago. You know, it didn't quite work out, um, but it was a fantastic learning experience, you know, and a, a great turning point. And it got me passionate about online. Uh, you know, I, I thought, wow, you know, so many people aren't even aware of this. And I was sure then that um, it was going to be everything in terms of um, the way that people communicated and interacted in the future. So I wanted to stay in the medium and and I've been in digital marketing in some form ever since. So that this this idea sort of took off early two thousands and when when did you when did it kind of come to an end? It came to an end a couple you... of years later, about about two thousand and two or so. Right. Um so 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 after that I ended up taking um a job for a bit, but um also figuring out how to actually build my own websites. And fairly quickly I figured that out. Thankfully, Google AdSense came along. And within a couple of years after that, I was making a full-time income by myself, um, just publishing a few websites, publishing content on there, the Google AdSense script on there that was automatically displaying ads on there. And wow, you know, overnight, um, you know, $100 plus a day, no problem at all for, for, yeah. for, a, for a single web page. Sounds like an awesome... <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. It was it was all new, so a lot, and it was even so. There was web stuff was still very very young then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and there were no rules. It was just the wild west. Um, <laughs> for I mean, the rules I'm talking about is um, if you used AdSense nowadays, you know, Google have strict rules about um, where you place the ads in relation to other images on your web pages. And um, they don't want your web pages just to be ads to begin with, and then t- and then content underneath that because they want to deliver a, a reasonable experience for users. Yeah, it's it's like the, it's like when everything changed. Well, it's probably a while ago now when they blacklisted a lot of websites just for having pages of just links or keywords and things like that. But it just takes it away from what what users want really doesn't doesn't it absolutely and that that was that was the early day, days of seo as well so you could do yeah. things like exchanging links and very effectively get your pages ranked highly um but um yeah again it was a long time ago and um it was um it was fun while it lasted but <laughs> yeah i was talking about google adsense and in relation to that what i actually used to be able to do was have an image of someone on the web page and they were pointing to the ad, and then what happened? Sorry, my computer has just <laughs> gone off there for a second. I wondered if the audio went off for a second. No, no, it carried on. I, 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 just, I just like where you're going with that. Okay. I got a picture of somebody pointing at the ad. That's brilliant. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, I could have someone actually just pointing towards the ad, and that's all there was on the web page. All the content was underneath that, but below the fold. Um, so... I actually had 70% click-through rate on those ads. 
<laughs> you wouldn't see anything like that nowadays. But no. um, you, you're talking about making a few dollars every single time someone clicked on that, and I had over a thousand visitors per day on 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 a website that 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 I was promoting. So wow, it was easy money at the time. <laughs> that is genius. Sort of that sort of false leading, black magic kind of stuff. That especially then. It was, yeah. it, it was, um, yeah, it was the Wild West. That's probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> the Wild West-like of the digital world. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so obviously that that sort of area is one of those where it's, it, it developed very, very quickly. It, it did, yeah. Like you said, just fun while it lasted. Um, how long did that sort of uh, fun last, I guess? There were there, there were other ways like that to make money. Um, I mean, back then, I, I don't do it now, and I haven't done it for years, but back then, you could sell links. There were services out there where you could sell links on your on your web pages and get you know good revenue for that. And Google started to clamp down on that um, quite early, probably about um, probably about two thousand seven ish or so. Um, they, they started getting quite heavy about it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was aware that um, what I was doing wasn't going to be a long-term business. And although it was easy money, it didn't feel right to me. It, it, it yeah. didn't feel right um, as in productive and, um, you know, a really um, valuable business to be doing, um, but also the, 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 the right thing for, for, for my career either, you know, if I wanted to, 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 to build something long-term for myself. So um, I thought fairly early on, you know, 2005-ish, that, no, what I'm going to have to do here is, um, yeah, I'll have that as a revenue stream and I'll take as much money as I can get from it. But I'm not going to build that um, same business model again and again. And looking back, Perhaps that was a bit of a mistake, you know, because, you know, I was making, yeah, you know, a few thousand pounds a month, but I could have been making tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands if I duplicated what I did. And I really Just repeated and yeah, got the that. same sort of thing. Yeah. But, but I, I knew it wasn't going to last forever. So I, I was really passionate about online and about helping real businesses succeed online. At the same time, I was just completing a part-time MBA. So, you know, that shows that I'm really focused on on doing business the right way. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to a few different business networking events and a few people said to me, well, what do you do? How do you do it? What's this SEO thing? So I ended up having a couple, getting a couple of clients myself and providing SEO services to them. And that was another revenue stream for, for myself back in maybe about 2006 or so. But I, I wasn't massively passionate about... Um, um, building uh, a business b- built upon those services either. You know, I, I wanted to to help people have massive success online. And I built a, a training course. So that's where my first seminars actually um, started from. And um, late 2006, I, um, I started building a course called The 13 Pillars of Internet Marketing, as it was at the time. And I, I, I delivered that course... Um, live in Edinburgh at the beginning of 2007 and I've actually got video recording online. You can- so this was oh so this was an actual live event. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you, you you can see a video of me doing that. It's on YouTube somewhere. Um just search for the 13 pillars of of internet marketing. And I think that that video's had about 70,000 views. You know, but it got most of its views a long time ago. And um that that was that was the kind of thing that I ended up doing and and 
at the end of that um, face-to-face seminar, the only piece of constructive negative feedback I received was, well, all the, all the rest of the people loved it. But, but this guy said, look, you know, so much information, but what do we do now? So that's why I turned the 13 pillars into the 26-week digital marketing plan, which was my, um, my, my day-long seminar that I delivered across the UK and Ireland for about a couple of years in 2007, 2008. And that, that did very well for me. You know, I, 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 I was quite successful in, in, in getting decent revenue from, from doing that. And I ended up um, re- releasing a set of DVDs and um, also putting together a membership website based upon that. What I like about everything you've said thus far is, Although the things that you've been doing have not necessarily been the thing that you're, in certain cases with some of them anyway, um, that you're not necessarily passionate about, you've kind of moved on to the next thing by using the experience of the the thing you've done previously and just done done that over and over again by and each time adding something more, um, much more worthwhile and and not sort of cheating in a way for want of a better term because i can't think of that word i'm trying to say um but you're developing something into sort of a classy product and a service and it making it more and opening it up more mainstream and more and, and straightforward and digestible for everybody yes yeah yeah i mean i tried to focus on the things that um i was passionate about so i, I didn't really focus on on the revenue i just tried to build something of value to for people and to see what they they thought of it, and and then obviously I, I develop revenue streams from that. So the the DVDs turned into a membership site, and I ended up recording three different versions of that plan. Um, the last one was actually just two thousand and fourteen, but the last one is twenty six hours of me uh, doing video training, and now I'm thinking I'm not going to do that again. That was a ridiculous amount of work to do that. And now, you know, lo- looking back on it, you know, five or ten years ago, it was fairly easy for me to know um, about all forms of digital marketing. Now, as we're talking in 2016, there is just so much to it. Um, even if I, you know, did know um, a lot about everything, it would t- take me so long to deliver um, a full course. It just would be ridiculous. So I probably need to... To, to, to focus more on certain things. So hence, things like the podcasting nowadays. So I, I love podcasting. And that's one thing that I'm focusing on and trying to do a great job at that. You, you can't do a great job of everything in digital nowadays, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and it's, it's about being um, jack of all trades and master of none, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But it, it, like you, you kind of led into a question into an area which i was kind of going to ask but imagine you say it was 26 hours then if you try and do everything now it'd be weeks yes yeah it would be it would be utterly ridiculous and i I wouldn't get Um, anything else done but you you, you're better off um turning to people who are are very focused and niche specialists but you know five ten years ago as i said digital marketing was a niche now it's not a niche well, it's such is a beast. <laughs> it is, yeah. There's a beast that's escaped the wild west. Yeah, but it, like you say, there's that many different aspects of it that you can, like, you you going down a pod, podcast and you want to be excellent at that. There's 
that there's plenty of room for people who can still can be very good at a number of things, not all, but I'm, I'm certainly, uh, there's things that relate to um, the podcast. An example would be our, our friend, Mr. Asquith. He's, he's, he does very, very good written pieces. Um, he also reuses them, repurposes them with video and audio. Yeah. Um, and things and on different, um, different subject lines. So you could, you can cover different bases um, Absolutely, and, and still excel, but and get out there, especially now in that many different mediums, that it can be accessible and well by uh, m- many, many more people. And even something like podcasting or online broadcasting, um, there are certain aspects of it that I'm better at than others. I mean, I, I love having conversations with people. I love hearing what people say as an answer, and hopefully answering or hopefully asking more probing questions based upon what they've just said. But um, me just to camera with um, no script and, and talking for 20 minutes isn't something that massively appeals to me. You, you mentioned uh, Mark Asquith there. That's something that he is outstanding at. You know, he can just sit there in front of a camera and just be very natural switch the Facebook on or Periscope or whatever it is and have conversations with people that are interacting there as well. So you've you've got to really understand what your core area of expertise is and apply that skill to your selected, your your preferred method of communicating online. You should try sitting next to him when the camera's not. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've done that, yes. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure he doesn't call you things like he calls me. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, I, call, I, I call him things as well, so that's all right. <laughs> so we fo- really focused in that uh, your your chosen mediums, uh, audio and podcasting. So where has that taken you? Where have, did you try and focus in on something, or have you kind of let it take its own its own route and just follow it? Yeah, what I try and do is have that as the centre of my communications mix. So it's not necessarily the sole thing, but it's the pillar. I think I think the one key area um, that I need to focus on, and I can build other things from that, but everything else revolves around that. So things like if, if I do a live event, you know, last year, obviously, we were talking about beforehand, I, I, I did a live event uh, where I had 50 odd people uh, on the one show and did that as a video show. And I can build an email list around that. I can tell people listening to the podcast about that particular event. I've also had a digital marketing magazine, uh, but uh, an actual digital magazine, um, which is which is still something that I probably need to go back to. I haven't published um, for the last year or so on that, and it's still ranking in the app store um, about the top three for the phrase digital marketing. So it would be, wow. you know, I need to to get back to that. You know, there are obviously quite a few people that uh, have downloaded that and are expect, expecting content from that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just using different funnels to get people to whichever thing you kind of guide into them at that given moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's, it's that having that one core area of focus, but um, things that circle that. And I guess that, and again, I'm, I'm just coming back to something I mentioned earlier, that it's it's kind of everything on the top of everything. Each time you've, I know we've we've come on a couple of things since I, I last mentioned it, and everything's just going bang on the top. Um, and you're still using everything all the way back from what you've learned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you take what you've learned in the past 
And you also try not to be too reactive about changing the, the way that you do things. It's easy when a new piece of technology launches just to, to jump on that and think, Snapchat is the place to be. You know, I absolutely have to be there. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, you know, I've, I've registered digital marketing radio on there. Uh, so I've got the ID if necessary. But I don't think um, my core audience is on there. My, my audience tend to be... Um, maybe digital entrepreneurs and agency owners who are probably late 30s, early 40s um, on average. Um, so you, you've, you've, you've got to take things um, methodically and um, really ask the question, is, 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 am I doing this reactively or is it, does it really relate with and um, work well with what I'm trying to achieve long term here. Yeah, I mean, it's about it's about listening to who your audience is and 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 figuring out what's going to work for them. Um, because if you, you like, you say you've got um, it's sort of agency owners in that sort of age bracket that there's going the there's a tend that they might because I I I've got Snapchat and I don't use it. I use it to make myself laugh and a couple of close friends by copying something I've seen on uh, Facebook that we all find hilarious. But other than that, I don't use it. So I find it quite in a medium that I use it and that we use it together is childish. But on the other hand, you see uh, an example I used recently is uh, Lewis Hamilton at, this, at the Japanese Grand Prix. He was, using, he was using Snapchat in the FIA press conference because he feels that the press conference that they've had that has not changed certainly for as long as I've been following the sport since since it was about four, so the early, early, early 90s. Um, it's been the same. So he's trying to inject something in and he's got, he, he knows that his audience is using that and he's he gets slated by the media because it's it's something different. But it's it's exactly what we've just been talking about. It's sort of a, figuring out who your audience is and what they're going to use. And he obviously knows that a lot of his audience uses that. Yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be the really social person yourself. I mean, as long as you're producing content that's easily shareable and your audience could potentially share that online, then that could be your social arm um, instead of actually you being massively active on it. Yeah, and I I think it's a great point you mentioned about not being uh, not being reactive to everything that that comes up and it's... It's something that a lot of people don't do, just because it's it's the shiny thing, isn't it? It's something on the top shelf, and it's all hands on deck. I mean, there's there's it's like we mentioned before, and about blab. Um, I we've I used that for a couple of months with uh, with a friend to do something, and it was great. But it was it was a lot of different types of people using it, but nobody that we were actually talking to were using it. At all, but we didn't use it for that reason. It was just a, a test bed. Yes, it was. It was a really interesting service. I mean, the the live event that I hosted on last year had about seven hundred people watching live, and and that was that was amazing, and it just felt like it was a great platform. But um, obviously, the the owners um, of of Blab decided that. Um, they weren't achieving the kind of targets that they wanted to achieve. And unfortunately, that service has closed down now. But I guess it um, leaves um, a bigger opportunity for Facebook and, and live video and other platforms like that. 
Yeah, and certainly the Facebook stuff's taken off massively. I know it's the user base is already there, but there's a hell of a lot of people taking it on board as as a medium for their their audiences rather than just general social stuff. It has, you know, but at the moment, Facebook, at the time we're talking, they intend to launch a service where you can be talking to multiple people on the video, but I, I, they haven't launched it yet. And at the moment, live broadcasting on Facebook is one too many, unless you use third-party broadcasting software like Open Broadcaster or Vmix or something like that, um, which makes it more complicated for the average person to, to, to do. And it was very easy with Blab. So is that what are they going down? So it's going to go from one-to-many to one-to-one? Or? Well, they wrote a blog post um, about two months ago or so to say what their intention is is to have multiple people on the same video call. So I guess that would mean something like Google Hangouts or Blab. Obviously, they'll do it in their own way. It will probably be um, a couple of people to begin with and perhaps multiple people after that. But at the moment, officially, the, the way natively you do it, you can only broadcast yourself to obviously all of your followers on Facebook. But they support these third-party um, broadcasting software tools like you know, Open Broadcaster or or, or Vmix mm. or um, th- 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 there are a few other tools like that. And if you use that, then it's a bit complicated, but you can take video feeds from services like Google Hangouts into your broadcast software and then do the one uh, video directly from that into Facebook. And that's what a few people are doing now and seems to be a, a great thing to do to to give you a bit of a head start with video on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I struggle to get through any sort of look on, and there's always somebody there, which is which is which is good. But I tend to skip past them unless it's something I'm really interested in. Um, but we digress. So there's been you've obviously made quite a few changes um, along the way. So out of those, could would you be able to just pick out a, a few key obs, maybe obstacles or not where they weren't not everything was necessarily an obstacle but things where you thought wow I'm, I'm gonna have to learn this quick in over in order to get to where i want to be and then progress from that if if you if you can recall uh the different the different stages um in terms of learning things quick i, I think uh, as a trainer you know uh, in that mindset i've always um being aware that you know all, all I need to be is one step ahead of my audience and to make sure I understand their challenges from their business's perspective and to, to be able to assist them with that. So you don't have to know everything about everything, obviously, to, to, to be successful. You just have to know the things that are relevant to what you do at the time. And learning can be a bit of a... Um, a bit of a diversion for, for for many people. I'm I'm starting to be more of a fan of of just just in time learning now. There is so much information out there on on YouTube on you know other places that whatever you look for, someone has recorded a video on it to teach you how to do it. So it's almost pointless and a waste of time to build up a bank of knowledge if you're not going to implement that knowledge fairly immediately. So I think that's one of the, the the more important lessons that I'm trying to implement now is to learn as I do. I'm going to use that term because that's something I do a lot of. <laughs> Tends to be for the, for the mundane things, like a problem with my car that I'd refuse to 
pay the garage for something was going to be astronomical in price and it turned out to be something so small. But I got there through the means of learn as you do. Yes. It's, uh, I mean, if if, if you're a professional in your field, obviously you have to be knowledgeable in that, but um, you you can get, you can easily fall into a trap of just trying to learn and not actually focus on the things that are going to push your business forward. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, it's, thinking about it, it's actually a very good point from what, what we discussed about um, what led me to doing this podcast, being a developer as, uh, and then stepping away as, as the business grew. I mean, I, I love this term, learn as you do now, that's going to stick. So um, although I'm not doing uh, development day to day, but my role in the business requires me to learn the new things that are happening and the new possibilities and the new trends and things like that. So I'm kind of doing that on a daily basis for different things that are happening in sort of the web world, I guess. Mm, yeah. Uh, kind of just click, but that terms certainly fits quite a lot of things that in, in my business and in my life, I guess. And, and that's the wonderful thing about podcasting as well. You, you can have conversations with people who are knowledgeable about the things that you want to learn. And you're... <laughs> you're doing multiple things at the same time there. You're improving your ability to to speak publicly and um, produce a podcast. You're obviously gaining new listeners with the, the new content that you're putting out there. So you're marketing your business as well. And you're also improving your knowledge um, in an area that you want to improve it in. So as long as if you're podcasting about something you want to learn about, it's a wonderful thing to do. And it's it's vast as well. It's the, the explosion is is incredible, and the, I, I've I've really found it such a close community. And I've like in the short period of time that I've been doing it. Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. It's it's good. It's good. So you're going to keep on doing it, are you, Dan? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, my wife has said for years, I will talk to anyone. So it, I guess here I am talking to anyone that will let me talk to them. <laughs> Well, the, the more uh, the more you do it, the more that people will come to you as well, which is um, which is quite incredible. I mean, I can't remember even the last person that I reached out to to be a guest on my podcast because I've got so many recommendations either from listeners or from people just approach me on my website to say, "Can I be a guest?" It's it's quite quite incredible. It is. It's from like just my initial post online on this on. I've only really done it on Facebook. And I got booked up two and a half weeks, one every day, with the exception of Friday and Sunday. So two on some days as well. It's it's amazing. That is superb. Well, that, it, it, it means that you have to follow through and do it now. There's no backing. Exactly, now. that's the thing. But what I just just before we finish, I would like to just finish on out of everything that we've covered, everything that you've done that's led you to today um, in 2016 the biggest thing that you've um, come across out of everything that you would pass on to yourself back then across the, or anybody who's thinking uh, about making a change is on the edge uh, or, you, you know, there's, a, there's so many people that's on the, I'll do it. I'll, I'm going to do it then. Or the time's not right now. I'll do it in a month or something like that. The biggest thing that you've learned, everything will just help people get over the edge or quash uh, a worry that they've got. I think what you need to do is to follow your passion and to commit to being exceptional at your passion. And if you do that, then you'll build close relationships with industry leaders in, in that area and opportunities will follow from that and then money will follow from that after that. 
I, I don't think it's a a case of okay, I'm going to start this business and next week, and I'm going to focus on being as profitable as quickly as possible. Many people have jobs or other ways of of earning revenue streams that they can handle for a year or two, possibly. I think it's if it's a focus on what you do with the rest of your life, then you can follow a passion and build up that database of of industry leaders. And, you know, it can take a year or two. Uh, I mean, with with, with my podcast, Digital Marketing Radio, it, it didn't happen overnight, but now I'm getting thousands of, of, of downloads every month and it's it's only happened because of that putting in the work every single week and if you do that and you're consistent about it the opportunities will follow i love that follow the passion yeah and something that i've and i've mentioned it i've mentioned this um it was recorded in, uh, a couple of days ago and i mentioned it yesterday and i'm going to mention it again because it's it's we're on point and when when making a change from and this example was going into your own business from somebody who had a job and starting your own company was the worst thing that can happen is you back you where you are you where you started yes yeah absolutely so you're not there's there's, but, there's but, no but you're not really because you've got the experience as well exactly so it's if you end up back where you started you gained a set of skills that you if you if you did something wrong in in, in an instance you, you won't do that again <laughs> Uh, and you, or you will get around it and figure out a way so it it doesn't happen again. I guess. Yeah, absolutely, like absolutely. So, how can people get in touch with Mister David Bain? Well, um, have a look at digitalmarketingradio.com. There's a contact form on there, or if Twitter is your thing, at David Bain is my handle on there. And I suggest you do do that because David's got something uh, very interesting coming up towards the end of the year. So be sure to watch out for that. Absolutely. A little teaser there. There we go. Uh, so, David, thank you very much for being on the show today. It's been uh, it's been great to chat. Yeah, it's been more wonderful to be on with you. Thanks for asking me, Dan. So softly spoken as well, a true gent. Uh, that's it for uh, this episode of The Turning Point. I've been your host, Daniel Moore, and our guest today has been the lovely David Bain. And remember, together, we can make one of life's biggest hurdles that much easier to overcome. <laughs> <laughs>